Welcome to the Questions of Life podcast. I'm Kath, I'm joined by Donald. Hello. In our discussions today, we are talking about how we find peace. Enjoy our conversation. Donald, we're looking at the whole subject of how do we find peace. A few months ago on Cafe Church, we had an evening where we looked at jokes and people uh, emailed in various jokes. One of them was about peace. And I thought I'll just share it as a funny little intro and we'll see whether you find it funny or not. So the joke goes like this. My husband asked if he could have a little peace and quiet while he cooked dinner. So I took the battery out of the smoke alarm. It's <laughs> quite funny. That's good. That's okay. Yeah. That was sent in by your kids because they know what your cooking skills are like. Now, talking about peace. That was sent in by my kids. Yeah. Really? Your, your cooking is infamous. Outrageous. Isn't it? I like to do a little quiz question for you every now and then. So okay. here's your quiz question. Where do you think has been voted the most peaceful place in the UK? I'll give you a hint. Lake District. Nope. Give me a hint. They are still in the Euros, um, but it's not England. So that's your little hint as to which country that might be. Guernsey? No. Are they still in the Euros? I have no idea. Okay, it's in Wales. Wales is still in the Euros? Oh, the Euros. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> you're talking about football. Yes. I thought you were talking about... Uh, my microphone's come off. I thought you were talking about um, basically being in Europe, like the Brexit. <laughs> I have a feeling this is going to be just a fantastic session tonight. I'll answer your question. It is Powers in Wales. Okay. Uh, and it's supposed to be the most peaceful place, according to a new study. And these are the reasons it's supposed to be peaceful, because it's got low traffic levels. Right. Tranquil countryside. Yes. And a lack of bustling towns. Right. So they seem to be the three things that people use as a yardstick to determine what brings peace to a place. And I'm um, interested to find out as we go on this evening whether you think that there is anything in those things or whether there are other suggestions that you have to throw into the mix to talk about how we can find the elusive peace that many of us are searching for. But before we do that, I thought it would be good for us to... Um, Talk about ourselves for a moment and talk about whether or not we are peaceful people. You know, it's one thing to talk about something. It's another thing to be honest and to admit whether it's something that we struggle with or something that we do okay with. So on a scale of one to ten, on an average day, how peaceful a person do you think you are? Well, I do think it does slightly depend on your definition of peace, which aspects of peace you are majoring on. So I would say I hover between a six and an eight. Great, that's Depending really on which bit of piece we're thinking about. And depending on whether you've got to do a live stream with me, have a meeting with me. I mean, that must bring your peace levels down, surely. Yeah, ask me again at the end. Because <laughs> I think that peace is about the ability to deal with difficulty. Mm-hmm. So if you said a peaceful life, meaning nothing stressful ever happens, then, I, then I'm definitely around a four or five. So mm -hmm. I have a lot of stressful things that happen. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about peace being the ability to cope with stressful things, I'm, that's where I think I'm more between a six and an eight, depending on what's going on. 
Do you think the average person in the street, when we talk about peace, thinks that it is about coping with difficult things or wanting to just eliminate them and feelings about them and just live this, hey, I'm at peace, everything's okay kind of life? Because I'm not sure people quite understand what peace is. I, yeah, I agree. And I think there are people, yes, who want to obliterate the stresses of life which doesn't actually bring you peace. It's just mm -hmm. burying something deep into a box and the, whatever you've trapped in the box is still banging and shouting and, and hurting. It's just that you deafen yourself to feeling it by substances or removing yourself to places. But as soon as you've got to go back to real life, it's there again. So it, like a holiday is a necessary and useful and I, and I value holidays and, I, and I, it's a very important part of me finding peace it's no good just having peace on the holiday. You've got to find a peace mm -hmm. that works at work or in the middle of family life or in the middle of community life. So if peace isn't dulling down all of the stresses and the emotions and running away from it or, or hiding from it, tell us, what is your definition of peace? The Bible uses the word shalom which talks of, it's, it's, it's a, a complicated word, but it's something to do with wholeness, completeness, well-being. So I think peace is something to do with a combination of contentment mm -hmm. and calmness mm -hmm. and confidence. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's kind of bringing those different elements together under one word. That's interesting because most people wouldn't probably say that is what peace is, which is brilliant, uh, because we're going to explore now more and more how we can do that in our lives. So start us off then. How do we begin to find this peace? Well, I think we need to work, identify what is robbing us of peace and what do we mean by that. So, for example, there are lots of different things. So if we're saying that I, I feel discontent, then we need to dig down and say, okay, what's causing us to not be content with what we have at the moment or, or where we are at the moment. If our lack of peace is being caused by our, how we perceive ourselves and our confidence, our self-confidence, our self-esteem, then we will need to look into who we are and what we are and are there things about ourselves that legitimately we don't like or that our perceptions that we don't like. But equally, if our lack of peace is to do with the circumstances that we're in, we're in the middle of a very difficult, painful, stressful situation, then our peace is going to come from resolving and identifying and managing that situation. So it all depends what it is that's robbing us of peace as to where we begin to allow God to bring that peace. I mean, fundamentally, all of those three areas, let's say self-esteem, which we've talked about before, let's say contentment, let's say um, managing difficulty, all of those things I don't think are easy to do without God. We can find moments without God, but essentially I think God wants to help us with all of those three things and in different ways. So the first thing is to say, well, why am I lacking peace? What is going on? What, is, what do I mean by that lack of peace? Is it guilt? Is it fear? Uh, is it... Um, boredom? Is it dissatisfaction? Is it hurt? Is it um, 
I don't know, those kind of things and try and get to, the, to that first stage of what is it that's causing it. So it's taking away this sense of, I just feel I am lacking in peace and beginning to identify what are the root causes of that. Because it isn't just a feeling, it's there for a reason. It's there because there's something bothering us or something lacking within us. And what we're trying to do is ask God and say, God, would you help me in this process? But be begin to identify and go through the things that you've talked about. Okay, what's going on with me? Mm. You know, just spend a bit of time rather than running away from it or burying your head in the sand and pretending it's not there or just saying, oh, I just don't feel at peace. It's just finding some time and some space. You might want someone to help you to do that if that's helpful to yep. ask you some questions. Yeah. But it's about what is going on with yep. me. And if we're unaware of what it is, then to pray about that and mm. to say, God, I feel anxious or I don't feel at peace. Would you begin to help me to understand what is going on mm. beneath the surface? And I think God does. God speaks into that in different ways and helps to bring some kind of revelation. It isn't a booming voice, voice from heaven and a, Kath, this is your problem. But just gently over time, there's, a, there's a, a revelation that you begin to work out. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. This is what's going on and, and why I'm feeling it. But we have to be at that starting point because you're saying that we have to unlock these different things that are going on and let them out and let God in to work yeah. on them. Yeah, I think peace in, in lack of peace is a bit like a pain. Yeah. You know, if you've got a pain in, the, in your tooth, you've got to work out, is it the tooth or is it the nerve, whatever. But actually the pain is a good thing because it's identifying that there's something not right. So lack of peace is, is, is identifying that something's not right. Mm -hmm. And we need to be realistic that it's not possible to go through life for anybody without, with a complete sense of peace. You can make a case for saying Jesus lacked peace in Gethsemane where he cried out to God before the... Uh, the night that he was betrayed before his crucifixion and, he, and it says, you know, he, he almost wept blood. He was that distressed. He was lacking peace in that moment. So I think it's, it's okay to say there are some things in life which will rob us of peace. Mm -hmm. But we then need to say, okay, let's, how do we regain it? Mm -hmm. How do we get it back? So it doesn't make you a, a worse Christian or less spiritual if at times we struggle with peace because Jesus did. Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes it makes it more, uh, it makes us authentic. But actually, it's often a way to, I mean, we talk about having a sense of what God is asking us. One of the ways we commonly identify that God might be trying to correct us is a lack of peace. So sometimes the lack of peace is God saying, I want you to stop doing that or to change direction or whatever. So I don't think we want to blame ourselves all the time, but we do want to work out what's going on. Okay, so let's go through some of these things one by one that you've talked about, some of the things that are going on within us. The first thing you talked about that might cause our lack of peace is guilt. I want to begin to explore what does that look like, but also how can we begin to work that through with God and find peace? Yeah, so there are, again, different expressions of that. So there's some of us that just feel everything we do is rubbish and mm -hmm. that we're useless at everything. And it's a kind of imprecise guilt. It's a kind of, we might call it low self-esteem, lack of confidence, but we just feel unworthy. We just feel shame. And then some of us have specific things in our life that we just can't get over. We just can't forgive ourselves for. We just can't be, 
be clean from. Some of us have things that were done to us that, that we feel have made us dirty and we can't be clean or free from that. And some of us have particular uh, sentences that have been spoken over us that, that return and, and replay in our mind all the time. You're stupid, you're useless, mm -hmm. it's your fault. So when I'm talking about guilt, I'm talking about that whole sort of package. And again, trying to identify what's going on precisely can help. But essentially, we want to come to the place of reassurance that God has sent Jesus, that God has come in the form of Jesus, that God has come to restore, to redeem, to rescue us, that his, mm -hmm. our mistakes are not a surprise to him. Our rubbish in our lives is not the, him going, oh, well, I, gosh, if you're like that, I can't do anything about that. And that the Bible is quite clear that God wants to take guilt away. And there is a process to, to, to guilt being taken away and being free from that. The process starts with honesty, it starts mm -hmm. with owning up. One of the ways we don't find peace is avoidance. Mm -hmm. And we'll come across that in lots of phrases. You don't get peace by avoiding things. So when we've made mistakes or when we feel there are things wrong with ourselves, we need to bring that to God and lay it out and say, Lord, I'm sorry. And confession repentance, Lord, will you help me be different? That enables cleansing. And so the first step I would say is to bring to God and just consciously talk about the things we don't like about ourselves and the things that we've done wrong. And as we do that, to reflect and dwell and take hold of the truth of forgiveness and the truth of grace. And what we will find in that process is some of the things we think, actually, you know, I did wrong mm. and I need to face that and I put it on the cross and Jesus takes it away. But there may be other things in that process where by being truthful before God, we allow ourselves to think, you know, that was other people's perception of me. That's a message that's been given me. That's something that's been done to me. And I may need to confess elements of it, but it's not who God sees me. So generalizations are almost certainly never from God. He never sees anybody as stupid or, mm -hmm. or useless or anything like that. So those kind of phrases, you can start off by saying, Lord, I confess all my stupidity. But, after, but very quickly, you're going to move into, I don't believe that's how God sees me. Mm -hmm. Now, that may need help. That may need help from a, somebody giving counsel or prayer. But if we can identify it in ourselves and say, I know who said that over me. And when they said that to me, I was a child. And as an adult, I can look at that and say that was untrue. Mm -hmm. And now as an adult, I look back at how I was treated as a child and say that's not acceptable. So sometimes it's identifying those voices and saying, God, will you come in and heal them? Will you come in and take away that feeling? And sometimes having somebody else pray with us. Will you help me be free from that accusation? Sometimes we will feel God prompting us to put something right. If there is a huge event in our life that we really bitterly regret, sometimes it's a prompt from God is to acknowledge that towards that person and to write maybe if they're still alive or if they're not still alive, perhaps we still imagine that and we say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that or done that. So sometimes that's part of the process. So you're talking about confession, you're talking about 
really grasping God's love and you're talking about really identifying what is true and what is untrue. And what is untrue, we try to be healed of hearing that anymore. It's really interesting, isn't it? I think that sometimes we think that peace should come quite quickly and quite instantly. But these things take a little bit of time. These things take some working through. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, sometimes when I recognise, you know what, I've been completely out of order. I, I need to confess and I need God to just help me work this through and forgive me and help me to move on from it. Sometimes what's taken me the longest is to forgive myself and to feel forgiven. Mm. So we can, we can go through this, but there's also an element of letting go of how we feel about ourselves as well, that actually it's sometimes easier to let God forgive us than to forgive ourselves. And that causes us this sense of disquiet and whatever else is going on inside. How would you encourage us to forgive ourselves on that whole journey? I think it, it is a journey of saying, God, help me, help me with mm. this, help me with this. But I think one of the things is to recognise that God doesn't want us to punish ourselves. I think mm. sometimes we punish ourselves because we feel that's what we deserve and that that's somehow atoning for it. And Jesus has done that. Mm. It's not what God wants. He wants us to have this peace. He wants us yeah. to be free. Yeah. Um, so... Sometimes I found it helpful with people to um, sort of make it real in the sense of writing down on a piece of paper and, and then burning that mm. piece of paper or writing something on a, around a stone and throwing it into a lake or the sea. I'm just saying, I'm getting this out of me mm. or putting something, at, writing something on, on a, and putting it, nailing it to a cross some way of just physically expressing, I give this to you, God. Yeah. I'm no longer holding on to it to punish myself. I think we're often afraid of confronting things. We're afraid of confession, but it is liberating. Mm -hmm. It really is liberating and it releases us. But sometimes we get stuck and we'll need prayer, a consistent prayer from people we trust and who we know love us. Sometimes just being in the place and context of worship and allowing God's spirit to flood and flow over us is really powerful. And sometimes we'll feel freed from those things. We'll feel forgiven and that we've moved on. But it may be that there's a little fiery dart from the devil that just comes back and there's that memory, or you did this, or you said that. Are you forgiven? That can happen as well, mm. can't it? Yeah. Because yeah. the devil wants to undermine our yeah. sense of peace. Now, that doesn't mean to say that we haven't dealt with it. It doesn't mean to say that we're regressing back. But that's a reality sometimes of life as a Christian. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we, again, just don't, we move forward rather than beating ourselves up for the, those moments and those times. And sometimes that's God saying, now that you're in this place, let's just deal with that thing that happened a few years ago. <laughs> It's a constant journey, isn't it? I don't Absolutely. think we're ever at a point when we've sorted everything and mm. we're perfect people mm. until we get to glory. Mm. And that will be fantastic. Okay, so one of the things that robs us of peace um, is guilt. Mm -hmm. Okay, other things on your list. We have unrealistic or unhealthy ambitions. Talk about what you mean by that. Yeah, so um, contentment. 
upright. Of, of being satisfied with what we have and what we're trying to do with our lives is a really important part of peace, of knowing what God intended us to do with our lives and being satisfied with that and not striving to either be somebody else or have more than, than we have. And it, having more stuff never brings contentment. Contentment is being content with what we have. Yeah. So sometimes our ambition, which is if I have this salary, if I have this job, if I have mm -hmm. this house, if I have this happy family, mm -hmm. if I have this career title, if I have this level of fame and recognition, if I have this uh, stuff in my life, I will be content. Never works. Yeah. Never works. Because those things are not really what life is about. Contentment is about saying, I accept who God has made me and I'm grateful for what he's given me mm -hmm. and I want to do now with my life what he asks of me. Mm. And what he asks of us is not to have more to the detriment of other people. What he asks of us is not to close our ears to other people's needs. He asks us to, to love and to reach out and to care for other people. And that's a healthy ambition. It's not about being popular, it's not about being famous, it's not about being the best in the world, it's about simply being a good person, mm -hmm. being a nice person, a person mm -hmm. that is gentle, kind, compassionate, generous, gracious, merciful. And if that's our goal, if that's our ambition in life, if our ambition for tomorrow is that, not that I will be thanked, not that I will be popular, not that I will be witty, not that I will be clever, not that I will have some fantastic experience, but my ambition is to make somebody else's life better. A, it's achievable and B, it's rewarding. And we may make their life better by praying for them. We may make their life better by giving them a gift. We may make their life better by listening to them. We may make their life better by doing some act for them. But that as an ambition as a goal, is far more rewarding and fulfilling. But when we run after things that are ultimately self-centered, we are never content. And so we always want more. We always want something else. I think as well that I would put into that category things that we desire that maybe haven't happened for us. And I would say in all of this, the way that we treat each other, the amount of value that we show somebody else's life is really, really important. If I look at, uh, take me for an example, the number of people that ask me uh, why I'm not married, why I don't have children, that make a really big thing of it, as if not being married and not having children is second rate. And I think we have to work really, really hard. Or, or a couple that haven't yet had a child and people are asking, oh, when are you going to have a child? There's this sense that these things seem to define you. And that's not what we're defined by. And I think we have to work really, really hard to affirm people for who they are, that we're all equals, that we all have a different part to play. You talk about uh, us being the body of Christ. Very, very different. But we can damage each other and make us feel lesser if we are lording it over somebody else or if we're asking questions that mm -hmm. perhaps aren't helpful. And I, I would also go as far as to say my favourite subject what we put on the internet as well. Uh, I think recently it was Father's Day. And I was really struck by the friends that I know whose fathers have died. 
And I'm struck as well by the friends that I know who haven't yet had children and want to have children. And if you go on social media, it's just full of these, oh, we're the perfect family or the perfect father. Da, 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 da. And I think, say that to their face. Why do you have to say that to everybody else and then diminish how everybody else feels? Someone posted something about being a dad is the best thing, it's the only thing, it's the greatest thing that you can ever do. Oh, well, that's me gone then. You know, I'm never going to be a father or a mother. Do, do you know what I mean? And there's this sense of we have to think really carefully about what we say and what we do and how we affirm others. And conversely, we have to think really carefully about who and what we let speak into us and to direct us. So if we're directed by what the media want to direct us by, that's what we're chasing after. But if we're going back to a session we did a few weeks ago looking at how to love like Jesus, if that is our ambition, if that is our motivation, then that actually is going to sort through a lot of this chaff and will help us to find an identity, help to affirm the people that we are because we're seeking him. We want to connect with him and share him with others. So I'm just throwing that in there. As I it? think it's really significant. I think envy is a huge robber of peace, mm. huge. And it, it links into that first thing about if when we know we're loved and valued, then we, we love what we've got and who mm. we are and we're grateful for our skills. We can identify yeah. our skills and it doesn't matter about our weaknesses and we don't have to be the same as other people. And I definitely, I mean, you know I'm not on social media. I avoid the temptations of envy mm. and I avoid putting myself in places where I think, oh gosh, they're better than me. Mm. Um, so I just don't meet people. <laughs> no, no, but, but I, I think, think you go one stage further than, than that as well, that you don't say or do anything that actually makes you look better or, or makes other people feel worse about themselves. Mm. And I think that's, that's what I mean. That's a really helpful thing, that you're not pushing yourself left, right and centre, look at me, look at this, isn't this great? This is the way to be. You're very self-depreciating and honest. Honest is the reality, isn't it? I think... Projecting image is so... It, we don't believe it. Yeah. So why should anybody else? All we do is hurt other people. Yeah. And inside it feels empty. Yeah. And, and, I mean, Jesus uses a horrendous phrase describing people. He calls them whitewashed... The word he uses is sepulchre. What he actually says, those big ancient graves that you see that people have spent a lot of money on. So the grave looks beautiful. And you can see them in Victorian graveyards, the really expensive graves. He says there are some people are like that. They look beautiful on the outside. Inside, it's cobwebs, it's dead, it's nothing. And if we cultivate image, we, we, we're never at peace. Image is yeah. just rubbish. It's not the reality. Mm. And actually, if my goal is to be loving, then being truthful is a really important part of being loving. And to make being truthful and honest and transparent and real a goal is far more satisfying. And to find the things that you know you're deficient in funny yes. rather than things to cover up or... or uh, or be ashamed of, and just say, like, I'm, a, I'm an oddly shaped, I'm oddly, an oddly shaped face. I've got a very big nose and a ball patch on top. It's okay. It's funny. It's fun. It's great. It doesn't. I've uh, just ask God to help us be ex 
pleased and happy with who we are because that is such a great gift that God gives. It's like that song from the film, I'm sure you've seen The Greatest Showman. Have you ever seen The Greatest Showman? I haven't ever seen The Greatest Showman. Do you know, it's no. great because there's a bunch of people that the world deems as freaks. It's a bearded lady song. Yeah, I mean, I relate to that greatly. But, um, <laughs> but they get to this point where they say, actually, we don't care about what you think because this is me mm. and I'm happy to be me. So she's got a fantastic voice. There are others that are great dancers. You know, it, it, it goes on. But that's a real lesson for us to be able to get to a point that says, I don't have to be like you. I'm me. I'm me because God created me to be me. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, thing, the only opinion that matters is God. Yes. If God says, I want that in your life to change, yes. then I want to change it. Yes. And if he says, that's fine, I've given you that, enjoy it, then I want to enjoy it. Yeah. There's a danger in saying, I don't need to change. So you've got to hold the two in balance of one is saying, I'm, I need... I want to be a person who grows. I want to be a person mm. who develops. But the one who sets that agenda is God, not culture. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got guilt, low self-esteem, unrealistic or unhealthy ambitions. So we've to something else, anxiety. Again, something that I think causes people a lot of issues. Yeah. Talk about how yeah. that robs us of peace. So we talked, I think we did a whole thing about fear and I'd refer people to, to, to go back on that and find that on our playlist. Essentially, anxiety at the beginning is healthy. It's warning us that there is something that we need to think about, something that we, we need to pray, prepare for, something that we need to avoid, or something that we need to equip ourselves for. So I don't think it's healthy or right to be free from anxiety. The problem occurs on two areas. One is when we are anxious about things that are not going to happen. Mm -hmm and therefore we're wasting our time. And the second is when that anxiety paralyzes us yep. and we are unable to, to overcome the thing that we're anxious about. So I would say that I'm anxious every Sunday morning. I'm anxious. I'm anxious about what I'm going to do in church, but it doesn't paralyze me. It doesn't stop me doing it. And that's important. Uh, and neither is it unrealistic. But if I was anxious about the ceiling collapsing, that would be an unrealistic anxiety, and that's more of a problem. Mm -hmm. Or an irrational or unlikely anxiety. It's possible the ceiling could collapse, but it's very, very unlikely. It's not, it's not a good idea for me to be thinking about that. So we need to identify, is this anxiety something I can do something about, i.e. I can prepare for, for church, I can make sure I've done my preparation, I can make sure I know what I'm going to say. Is it something I can prepare for? Or is it something that is not really going to happen if I'm truthful about things? And though I'm fearful of it happening, the chances of it are very remote. So whichever category those, and there's a spectrum, it's not either or, there are things that are more and more less likely. What is, it's helpful to identify, why am I anxious? A, B, can I do something about that anxiety? Can I prepare? And that's the point where I'm, I'm very much bringing it to God in prayer. Mm. And I'm saying, God, will you show me what I can do? Yep. God, will you give me the strength to do it? And 
at that point, I think that God, there's a phrase in that Paul talks about in Philippians, he talks about a peace that passes all understanding. And I believe that when we ask God for his help, because what we're facing is difficult, we can be more peaceful than makes sense. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we're completely laid back and chilled. Mm. But I'm a very shy person and I don't like attention and I don't like cameras and I don't like people watching me at all. And in other parts of my life, that, that's very real. But there is a peace that passes understanding that's begun with the anxiety, that moves into the prayer, that moves into... I can do it. Mm. I can speak and I can and take part. And that's a God's gift because mm. I've been honest about my anxiety and I've asked him for help. I think that's healthy and I think God actually allows us to feel that so that we're more reliant on him. Because if you weren't anxious, you'd go into it, right, okay, let's just do this. Yeah. Whereas the anxiety helps us to recognise, actually, yeah. I can do all yeah. things, but yeah. not in my yeah. strength, but yeah. with God. And there have been times when I think I'm going to pull the bedclothes over, I'm not going to get out of bed. Mm. Mm. But it is God's strength that enables me not to do that mm. and to carry on. And I think that's part of the peace that mm. we want. It's, it's that we're aware of anxiety, but it hasn't, it hasn't uh, paralysed what God wants to do in us. So still in this stage, because there are some anxieties that do paralyze us but in this stage I also think that the peace doesn't always kick in until we take that one step forward yeah. and walk into it yeah so if we run away from it and oh, I can't do that I think we're still left with that anxiety but if we say right okay God me and you together I remember times before I've preached and stuff where you're sitting in the chair before I get up here thinking oh my life mm. and then there's times when you actually step up here and begin to speak that you're not aware of your anxiety, you're aware of God's promptings and God hopefully speaking through you. But if I hadn't got out of the chair, I don't think I'd have experienced that mm. peace. Mm. So I think the two work in conjunction. Yeah, and I think one of the paradoxes is that, that anybody who talks to me five minutes before <laughs> a service will find me distracted, short-tempered, irritable. Rocking uh, in your chair. Rocking. <laughs> <laughs> I've had, we've had that in some live streams, yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. Pacing up and down. Yep, you used to do uh, that, yeah. And you would say, well, where's God? Why is he that distracted? And I would say that reveals the miracle that then what happens 10 minutes later when it, nobody can tell. Or yeah. Well, you can tell, but it's... Oh, it's very it, difficult to it's, tell. It's, it's, it's controlled, yeah. and that's a miracle. Yeah. Because the natural Donald is the one that's pacing up and down fretting. Yeah. And you're right, it doesn't, the peace doesn't, I don't get the peace from the moment I wake up, I get the no. peace from at the moment I need it. Yes. To do it, and that's when it comes. And for some people, they need the peace the moment they wake up. Maybe they've gone through a bereavement, something difficult, and there's a sense that God meets them in that place just to get them out of bed. Yes, to get you out of bed, but... I think they're a different. You're, if you're going to go through a bereavement, you're not. It's it's it's. You're going to grieve. Yes. You're not going to feel content. Oh gosh. Because no. somebody special that we love has been has take has gone from us. 
So it's unrealistic for us to feel, why am I not peaceful and contented? I might feel deep down that God's got it, mm. but I'm still crying. Mm. And that's, uh, I think that's another aspect of peace. Mm. Uh, there's this great song, it's well with my soul. Mm -hmm. In other words, on the surface, I'm in pain, I'm unwell, this is going wrong, that's happening, this all causes me natural anxiety and that's right. Mm. I would be, I would be un, unreal and, and deluded if I wasn't. But right inside mm. here, there's a kind of sense and assurance that God's got it and one day this will all be okay. Yeah. And that's, that's another aspect of peace. Yeah. So if we go back to anxiety, so we've talked about that non-debilitating anxiety. What about the more debilitating anxiety? So, the, so I think there we, there's a spectrum and we need to be gentle with ourselves, but we certainly need to be asking God for help. But maybe that, that help needs to come through other people as well. So maybe to own up and to admit it to somebody who prays with us, it may go beyond that. We may need to go and seek medical attention and help and say, look, my brain is really not functioning right because I know this is irrational, but I'm thinking this all the time and it's constantly looping, constantly looping and I can't. And sometimes uh, we need expert help to break that cycle. Mm. There's a spectrum. I would start with the prayer, start with talking to other people, but sometimes we, we need the intervention of medical help. Okay, so that's anxiety. For some people, it may be fear of the future that's causing them a lack of peace. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, so I think, again, I think there's an element of naturalness of saying, okay, that helps me to prepare for the future. If I'm frightened of old age, let's get a pension. If I, you know, sort, do some things to get it right uh, or to prepare as much as we're able to do. But I think... For me, two things, I would say I'm quite peaceful about the future. I might, might change my mind, but for, for me, there are two things. Ultimately, I'm not afraid of dying mm -hmm. because I consider death will be an entry to a far better world. Have you always felt that? Um, more or less, there was a period as a young dad where I was afraid of dying because that would damage the, the boys. Mm. They're now all older than I was when my dad died, which is a very strange, because think, I think about my mortality because mm. I'm the age my dad was. Um, so I was never afraid. I've never had a phobia or a fear from childhood no don't. Yeah. but I think I've had a growing conviction that if the worst this world can give me is my death that's a win mm. it comes from you know we talked about this a lot it comes from in my teenage years having death with a, a, a friend killed in a motor by accident I was with my dad as he was dying uh and it, it's not frightening. Mm. It's okay. Mm. And it's part of life. Mm. And it, it, it feels to me that 
once the worst that can happen isn't, isn't bad, the future has a whole load of different feelings about it. Mm. And to feel that whatever difficult things I may face, I have 10,000 years with Jesus, mm. 20,000 years. And we talk, I know I go on about this, but it really is mm. a thing that gives me peace, just to know that I, I'm so convinced of eternal life mm. Mm. that the worst of this world is temporary. So for people that are, are struggling with this, it's getting into the Bible, looking at what the Bible says about the future, the assurance that we have, um, and asking God, help me. Help me to see my life in the, in the light of this. Help me not to be so consumed with the now and the fear of death and everything else, but just begin to work in me and, and, and help me understand that this world isn't all that there is, and yet we have a glorious inheritance mm. waiting for us. Mm. I think it's... Jesus has come that we might not be afraid of dying. Yeah. But I think it's perfectly understandable to be afraid of the process of dying. Yeah. You know, yeah. we might be afraid of pain. We might be afraid yeah. of letting children down. We might be afraid of, of, of uh, dementia. I think yeah. all of those things are natural yeah. and healthy. And as I, I'm not saying we shouldn't have those fears at all. I'm just saying that once you believe that ultimately it's a doorway to something better. All of the rest mm. becomes easier to deal with. Mm. Absolutely. And, and that is why Jesus came, comes to die on the cross. Fundamentally, mm. I believe that Jesus could have shown and demonstrated his love and his mercy for us without dying and rising again. The reason he dies and rise again, rises again, the resurrection is to say, you do not need to fear death. Yeah. I think it's probably the main thing that God wants you to know. Do mm. not fear death. Mm. Provided we've come to Jesus and, and uh, asked him to take our stuff on the cross. Mm. So maybe the, I'll correct myself. The main thing he's come to say is repent. The second main thing is then you don't need to fear death. Yeah. So for some, it's the fear of death. For others, maybe it's not the fear of death, but maybe they're going through some kind of ill health. Mm. What would you say in that situation? Well, I think that is understandable. I wouldn't mm. beat myself up for being anxious about health and appointments or what the doctors are saying. Mm. That's natural. Mm. Nobody wants to go through pain. Nobody wants to go through... So I don't think we should feel r wrong. Yeah. I think we w that's, it's, like, it's where we want to ask God to help us, to give us mm. the strength to give us the ability to deal with whatever is going on. Mm. And that's supernatural and that's miraculous. Mm. But it isn't, uh, oh, it doesn't matter that I've got ill health. It's uh, I'm facing this and uh, I'm dealing with it with God's strength. Mm. And that will have moments of tears and sadness and frustration and anger and disappointment and fear. And that's the peace that God brings is somehow part of acknowledging all the real stuff and giving it to him rather than pretending it isn't there. I remember when I uh, had my back operation and in the months leading up to that, the pain got worse and worse and worse. My mobility got worse and worse and worse and my anxiety levels got higher and higher. And I remember being in hospital and I was, it was so bad, I was paralyzed. I was just lying on my side. I couldn't move at all. 
and at night uh, I was just so anxious. And um, so I wrote this little, um, this little note and I said to my friends, can you just photocopy this and just give it to some people and ask them to pray because I'm really, really struggling. I'm supposed to have an operation. They've delayed it for a few days. I was beside myself. I'm like, you just need to do something. Um, and I said, please just get these people to pray for me. And um, I prayed. And I remember that night I hadn't slept in I don't know how many months. And that night I slept for the first time that I didn't wake up with just this fear and anxiety and everything else. It's the kind of peace that passes all understanding that you talk about. And the next day, it was the day before the operation, I had a few moments of, oh, I'm in a real pain, but I'm going to trust. And I knew that people were praying for me. I could, I could feel it. It made a difference. Again, the night before surgery, I just had this this peace that I shouldn't have had. And then leading up to every part of the surgery the next morning, I was fine. I'm like, right, okay, God, we're going for this. Either you're going to heal me or kill me on the operating theatre. That was my prayer. So I can't continue in this agony. You're going to have to do one thing or another. I was in that much pain. But there was a peace. Um, and I think often with ill health, often when things are painful, when things are difficult, it does do stuff inside where there is just this tension and I found it really hard to connect with God and to pray because it was all consuming and it was really difficult and then I felt like I'm a really bad Christian I should be praying I should be reading my Bible I just couldn't I was on loads of drugs I couldn't concentrate or focus and everything else but God met me in, a, in that place in an amazing way and so I encourage people don't give up on praying and get other people to pray for you as well. Because sometimes we're not in a state to be able to do it for ourselves. I, I couldn't do it justice, but there were others that kind of held me up mm -hmm. in prayer. And because of their prayers, God met me where I was. But I think ill health is something that scares us and isn't a fun place to be in. So I can understand that whole anxiety mm -hmm. side of things. Absolutely. Okay, just a couple more to throw at you. Okay. Uh, for some people, it's relationship conflict, that there's stuff going on, maybe family, maybe a partner. It might be a friend. That often causes a lack of peace. Mm, mm. Yeah, the people we love hurt us the most. I think there's lots to say. You know, explain to God, Lord, help me in this situation. Mm -hmm. Help me. I think... Where a person is untrustworthy, I think the Bible allows us to say, I can no longer trust you. And therefore, I need to remove myself from this relationship. Mm -hmm. We don't trust them to be not violent. We don't trust them to be faithful. We don't trust them to tell us the truth. Mm. I think there will be the extreme end where we have to say, I need to remove myself from a person that is untrustworthy. Mm. But prior to that, or much other conflict isn't about trust, it's about different expectations, trying to understand why people say things, different hurts that people have had, different understandings of the words we use, different objectives, and, and all of that then, for me, there's this 
biblical thing about being people who reconcile and be people who make peace. So it's trying to understand another person, trying to work out where my, my behavior be pushing buttons in them. Why are they reacting this way? And if you get to the point you say they're just un untrustworthy, then that's a, that's, but we don't want to get to that place too quickly. You've got to try and sort of work out everything else first. And seek reconciliation if we can, and if we can't, let go. Mm. In other words, holding on to anger, holding on to resentment, holding on to bitterness, holding on to blame, all of that will rob us of peace in a way that God never wants us to do. He wants us to, um, to let go of our anger and our feelings. He wants us to release them if they ask for forgiveness. So we forgive those who are seeking forgiveness. Doesn't always mean that we trust. We've done a whole mm -hmm. session on this before and what yeah. forgiveness means. It doesn't mean any excuse or anything like that, but we've got to let go of what we're holding on to. Mm -hmm. So in any relationship breakdown, there's the bit that's me and there's the bit that's them. Mm -hmm. We've got to deal with the bit that's me. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing things wrong, I need to own up. If I'm holding on to anger and hate and hurt, I need to deal with that. I need to ask God to come and heal that and release me from it. Because we can't stay in that place of conflict. Mm. We either seek to resolve it, mm. or if the person is not trustworthy, then, there's an, then perhaps that's a person that we can't be in close relationship with. Talking about um, unforgiveness and anger, I saw a quote from Nelson Mandela today. And he talked about saying, I knew that when I left the prison that I had to leave in there all of my unforgiveness and my anger because I would never be free and I would never be at peace. Mm. And, and there's such a, a truth in that, that it may not be um, you know, a relationship conflict, it may be something else that we're holding onto, some anger, some unforgiveness, whatever. We need to let that go. Otherwise, we are never going to be free. We're going to carry that around mm. with us and be defined by it. Mm. I think you're completely right. That's a huge robber of peace. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Final thing to throw at you, final area, is for some people it's money, it's their mm. finances, it's worries about, am I going to be able to pay the bills, the mortgage, give the kids the clothes they need, whatever. What would you say into that? I think God's heart is with the poor, that's because poverty is not good. Yeah. No, God does not want people to be poor. Mm. I think if we are anxious about having enough food for children, for ourselves, that's not a place that God wants us to be in. It's right to be anxious. And we pray and ask God for help. As a church, we do all we can to help the poor. Mm. Um, we... God wants to be in that change in that situation. Yeah. But we also need to recognize that there is poverty and there is believing that money will make us happy. Mm. And some of the poorest communities around the world are 10 times happier than Forex and Little Aston right next to us where it's very wealthy properties. 
it doesn't bring happiness. So there's a point where we go to live below this. If there's not enough money for, for food or shelter or water or hygiene, then there's a problem that God needs to bring us up to that level. And it's absolutely clear. But once we're at that level, we've got to recognize that keeping going up here is not going to bring us more peace. It's not going to make us any happier. It's just that we've got to find contentment, being satisfied with what we have. And, and that both binds what we talked about before. A lot of that's to do with envy. Mm. Most of the things we think we need, we never, people 100 years ago never heard of. Mm. And we'd only think we need it because we've heard of it. Mm. Somebody else has got it or because the advert tells us. Yeah. And I think that being content with little is great peace. Mm. Um, it's difficult. I've never had huge amounts of money and I've never needed money. Mm. So I'm not, I've neither... I live simply and I've always had more than enough to live simply. Mm. So I, I can't, I don't know what it's like to be rich and have to give it up because I've never been rich. Yeah. And I neither do, I've no, I have no experience of ever worrying whether I'd have enough food mm. for the next day. Mm. And I'm grateful to God that I live a simple life that I satisfies me. Yeah. I don't, have expensive cars, holidays, anything mm. valuable in my life. Mm. And I'm quite happy with that. Mm. I always have second-hand throw-off phones or anything because I'd hate to have something that was expensive because I'd worry about it. Mm. And I'm happy. You're happy. Love it. Yeah, because you had a question at the beginning about peace. You see, it depends on what area. If you asked me what's my peace like to do with guilt, I would say I live around about a seven. Mm -hmm. I've, I'm aware of stuff I do wrong. And if you asked me where I was about peace around contentment about what I have in life, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you asked me where I was on peace about the future, around death, I'm a nine. Mm. If you talked about how do I feel about the next six months, I'm five. <laughs> I'm, a fi I'm, a, yeah. I, I'm a bit of a pessimist. I can see all difficulties. Now, part of that equips me to prepare for things, mm. but it does rob me of sleep at times. Mm. Um, if you asked me about self-esteem, how I feel about myself, uh, I'm, I'm probably an eight, mm. I think. So, do you see what I mean? The yeah, peace depends. Yeah. I'm definitely, my, my Achilles heel is the future, mm. the near future, not the long-term mm. future, the near future. Yeah. So sum it up for us. We've come to the end of this session. Just go through those, those three points just again. So, to, to find peace, we need to work with God on what's robbing us of peace and that's maybe God's message to us. He wants us to find peace but he wants us to deal with things that rob us of peace. If it's in the whole area of guilt and self-esteem then we need to look and really grasp God's love. If it's in the whole area of 
contentment and what we think will bring us happiness and ambitions, then we need to align ourselves with what God created us to be and we'll find far more peace of mind. If it's to do with problems and real difficulties that we're facing, don't beat ourselves up about not having peace, but God does want to give us the strength to overcome. Therefore, we need to ask God's help not to be paralysed mm. by what we're afraid of. Mm. Neither do we need to beat ourselves up for being anxious about some things. Mm. I guess that's a kind of... Is that a summary? Absolutely. God is for us. God loves us. God wants to help us to be happy with ourselves and to live at peace. Yeah. And we want to encourage ourselves to put ourselves in places where he's able to speak into our lives and work into our lives and not be afraid to talk to others and not be afraid to receive prayer for different things that we might need. Brilliant. Brilliant.